Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm Steve Rodriguez. You are listening to Tag's podcast, Talk About Gay Sex. It is season five, our kickoff on Tuesday, September 10th. I'm here with my sidekick, BFF, Jeremy Ross Lopez. Season five. It's here. Here we go. Queer. We are not stopping. So many things going on. Um, Let's just start it off. Uh, What did you think of that song that we led into? I love it. It's so sexy. Thank you. We yeah. also love Laurent too. So I mean, it adds a personal touch of excellence to it. Exactly. Uh, our, our dear friend uh, DJ Laurent. Uh, I'm just going to announce the song right now. It's uh, called Rage, by Laurent. It's Laurent's dub mix, courtesy of Royal Advisor Records. It's our brand new season five theme song. I love it. It reminds me of those like seedy nights when you like are looking for the guy that you caught eyes with across the room and in a dark alley yes, totally. in, a, in a steam Red room lighting, yeah <laughs> Yeah. All oh, that that's juicy all the, shit. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, his music tends to have that slant to it. And I like when that. I reached out to him, I was like, "Oh, that's the song. That's yeah. the song we're going with." Um, season five kickoff here. It is. Um, we are vastly approaching the fall. So many things happen here in New York City that we're always excited with. A little bit later on this episode, you're going to hear an interview that I did with Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is a documentarian who has a brand new film that will be released in October uh, called Crystal City and it really talks about uh, it profiles New York gay New Yorkers that have been addicted to or are addicted to crystal meth and the epidemic that it's I think you're going to learn a lot from this interview I mean we all know stories of people in that film that you and I really liked Jonathan Agassi saved my life he was on meth and we saw that downward spiral. Yeah. So I stay tuned for that interview. I think you're really going to like it and he's going to enlighten us a little bit more on what he's going through. But let's um, also talk about our Patreon page, which we've updated. Yes. And added some great new things. Jeremy and I worked really hard on this new Patreon page and just coming up with like fun, new content, juicy things that, uh, would just entice listeners. Exactly. And at the very first tier, we'll kind of throughout this episode go through some of the things you're going to get. And at the very 
what we like to describe as just sort of the first tier, I think we're calling it virgin mm-hmm. tier. Is that what you liked calling it? Yes. Yeah, or because we used to call it power bottom. But yes. Did you like, which one did no, you like No, I better? like virgin better. Okay, so virgin yeah. category. is it's the tease. Exactly. You are a tease for us, and we're going to be giving, you're going to get early release of the show and it will be delivered to you on the Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com forward slash talk about gay sex. And that's where you'll see all the different brand new tiers. We're giving away so much more. And on that tier, you're going to get some of our favorite porn clips. That was Jeremy's idea on what we're watching. Oh, and wait till you see some of the shit that we watch. (laughs) Exactly. You were telling me about a porn. Well, we won't go into it now. But some of the porn that you're interested in, we'll twice a month we'll update our favorite clips that we're watching. Yeah, at least a handful of them, and <laughs> yeah. you'll you'll be enticed as we use our hands to. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, you get the point. Um, you'll like I said, you'll also get the early release of that, plus some other perks, and we'll go on a little bit more on what you're going to get on the different tears on our Patreon page. I wanted to make an announcement, though. Jeremy and I saw a upcoming documentary. It's called All Male, All Nude Johnsons, and it is directed by uh, Gerald McCulloch, who was on the cruise that I was on, and a lot of people know uh, Gerald from Daddy. He wrote and directed it. You may know him from the Bear, Bear City trilogy film series. Mm-hmm. We had Doug Langway on our show. And anyways, he has this brand new follow-up to his first film, All Male, All Nude. The first one was shot in Atlanta at Swinging Richard's, a, um, an all-male, all-nude strip club. Yeah. And I interviewed him. That interview comes out next week. But the announcement I want to make is that if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area or Miami, they're going to premiere it Sunday, September, this Sunday, September 15th at 630. They're selling tickets to it. You can do the pre-event. They have uh, a whole, you'll watch the film. They'll have uh, food and drinks. And the entire cast of this really hot, sexy film are going to be there. Oh, I love that. And there were a lot of juicy guys. Exactly. And they seem like nice guys too what'd you think of the film jeremy i loved it i thought it was very it was interesting to see like behind the scenes of a place like that so it's set in like a somewhat ritzy like strip joint but it's definitely not like one of your trashy seedy ones but it can be i mean it can get to that but right it just seemed like a really fun, good environment. And they had different rooms too, which I love. So one of the rooms was more of like a social cocktail hour with strippers type of room. And then the other room was like the juicy, like you stripper pay a little poles. bit more. Yeah. And where you get like lap dances and private settings and all that fun stuff. And I, I thought it was interesting to hear just the more details of that type of setting. And you and I both love dancers so much and just that whole scene and it seems like a really awesome place and I can't wait to go and check it out. Exactly. To use a word that Jeremy uses, juicy. It is very juicy. (laughs) I love that word. Um, So we're talking about it's his uh, Gerald's second film, All Male All New Johnson's. It's set in Wilton Manor which is part uh, in Florida really adjacent to Fort Lauderdale. And the, what I love is the owner of it is a former dancer, which when when you watch it, you can kind of, I kind of assumed that, but when he confirms it and then learning that like his journey of starting out from being a dancer and all man review and then like going into the business, it's interesting. It was really interesting. And so, yeah, so if you are in the Fort Lauderdale or Miami area this Sunday, uh, it's a benefit for Outshine Film Festival. All proceeds will go to that. It's this Sunday at 6.30, September 15th. So look that up. Go to the Outshine Film Festival website to get your tickets. I just wanted to make that. And listen to next week's episode when I talk to Gerald about the film. Um, one of our sponsors is Blue Chew. Blue Chew is our sponsor, and it has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And I love how it comes in these little packets, 
But you had a story, Jeremy, recently when you tried it. Yeah, I actually had two. So <laughs> the one is a good one and one is a bad one. So I we got our first packet that we had received from uh, the sponsor and uh, I took it home. I couldn't wait to use it. I was all excited. And so I... And they're chewables, right? Yeah. They have these and, little packets. And they're like flavor... They're like fruity. And right. they're like easy. And it just... It tastes good. And it was just easy. And so anyways, I... you We all know how hard it is to actually get a hookup to follow through and actually show up like yes. on time, ready. You, you, it's just the... The logistics of it are sometimes exhausting where you just end up wanting to just do it yourself and get it over with, (laughs) which I don't like to always rush it. But and with the Blue Chew, I was actually looking forward to like just a long play session and having fun. So anyways, because it's going to keep you rock hard. Yeah. So anyways, so I take it 30 minutes before uh, this guy is supposed to come over and I'm like all excited. And it was a weekend and I was just home relaxing and like all ready candles and all kinds candles. of shit or, yeah i mean i, I like <laughs> to set the mood and the vibe okay yeah and like dimly lit apartment and all that so i take it you should have had then, our theme song playing i when should you were have <laughs> i know it wasn't made then yet. It, wasn't walking, ready. it was so music video no that's too dramatic <laughs> too and dramatic. then they would not Scare get turned off. on yeah no probably not a good idea yeah <laughs> they're like what is this a runway show <laughs> this is why i don't have people over it because right. i blow it because you're trying to set it up yeah so anyways he ends up not following through. So that oh. this is the Debbie Downer. So I have this blue chew that I took 30 minutes before. Mind you, it's like fucking 11 a.m. Oh, my I'm God. I'm literally rock hard. Like, I can't push it down. It won't go down. I'm, like, literally walking around my apartment in gym shorts and, well, like, ordering food now because no one's you coming You must have over. been really horny. And I, I was. I, I wake up really horny, so, like, the morning is my prime time, to be honest, and at night, I'm, like, the opposite. Because I don't want to freak people out because it really is no, only a, supposed no, to No, it's a good horny. I yeah. mean, but you I must was, have been really was horny for it. Horny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I know that morning thing, too. Yeah, don't so, you hate it when guys aren't morning sex? I do, but you know what? I find most people aren't, or, like, a lot Me of people too. that I'm into aren't, and it's, like, it's annoying but I also get it from the, the standpoint of like, if you're going to bottom, I can understand how you may not be ready to get pounded out first thing in the no, morning. No, but here's the thing, Jeremy. I am typically more bottom than verse. And you're ready to get... <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. If I had been prepared, typically I've been prepared the night before, right? Yeah. And so I get together with oh, somebody. Oh, I get it, yeah. And... It's not like I would have had a meal in between. Right, in between. So then you go to bed so and I'm in the still, morning you're ready. I'm still ready. Yeah. And, you know. No, it's annoying because. detail here. Yeah, but a lot of people are not. And yeah, and so to me in the morning, I wake up typically with a, a raging heart on. I just morning. do. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's so weird because the last guy I was seeing, he we would have great sex at night, you know, and he didn't really drink or anything. He didn't mind if I drank. Yeah. So we tend to go to bed a little bit earlier, which mm-hmm. was fine. And I'd wake up and he'd bounce. He'd wake up like really early and want to get like doing work stuff and making breakfast. Oh, God. And definitely not a morning sex person. Yeah. I, on the other hand, was like... You're like lingering in yeah, bed. Like, but come you on. found that too? Yes, I found that with most... Actually, most of the guys that I met in New York. And I'm also not... I guess a lot of guys too are like a drunk sex, night sex type and I'm not that at all. Like, when I'm drunk or tipsy, I'd much rather cuddle and then wake up and have really good sex rather than have messy, like, sloppy sex at really late at night after drinking a lot. Me too. I'm, I'm almost I'm rather just, go to bed. And- I like being present, and I like, like, looking at the person and being somewhat, even if it's just a hookup, being, like, somewhat connected. Well, and so I'm just, not if I'm drunk. I just know that I'm not. And I'm also that kind of drunk that I get sleepy naturally. So I'm really good at cuddling when I'm drunk, but I'm not. I'm just my performance is much better in the morning and I'm into it, like really ready. Well, if you think about it, you just had a good night's sleep. You are cuddled. Yeah. You both wake up and you're it's all snuggly. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like the perfect time. It is. And also some guys are like I've had sleepovers where they like I wake them up with eating their ass. And that oh. is really, really hot. <laughs> but 
it's not for everybody. And believe me, not everybody's ready in the morning to get eaten right. out. Yeah. Which I can understand. It's just like your natural body doing yes. its own thing. But Well, I totally cut you off. And I'm sorry. An audience, don't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> we remember, and I'll get back to this. Jeremy, you were talking about the other incident. Yes. So then the good incident was I did have a guy over after taking it. And I lasted for a long time. And it was like good, hard long sex that I wanted it to be long and it lasted well. So the other time that was the bad story, I just ended up masturbating like my day away (laughs) because I was so hard and horny, which is not a bad thing. I wanted it and I was already horny to start with the whole morning. But then I ended up blowing out the candles and like just (laughs) (laughs) sitting on the couch masturbating myself for the whole afternoon. You could have did one of those, we reported on it last season, romasturbation, which is the whole theory or idea that you light candles, you put on and set sensual music for yourself. for yourself. No, and you. I'm not about that shit. I guess you maybe have a mirror <laughs> and maybe there's some oil and, and you. No, I'm not I about, mean, you know, it's a thing. I don't need to set the mood for myself. I can do it and just get it. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah, okay, so, so, but it does work. I mean. Yeah, so for the good part, it was that I took it. The guy actually followed through. This was early evening, so it was like five o'clock and, uh, it was really great sex and it was like just lasted for as long as I wanted it to. And it was good. And I came a few times and it all went well. And it was just so much better than the first blue two that I took that I was so excited about. And I just had no one follow through. I had sort of a, I've had great stories with it too. And, but just recently I met somebody out and it reminds me a little bit of your story. I actually met somebody out. They were visiting in town from San Francisco. We were vibing off each other so Mm -hmm. much so that we left one bar to go all the way downtown to another bar and we're vibing there. He definitely said he wanted to come home with me that night. He was staying at a hotel but we opted to eventually leave the second bar and come to my place. Okay. And we took the blue chew just for fun and we're having some fun in bed. And then all of a sudden he decides to want to take a shower, which I was said, okay. Yeah. He goes and takes a shower and he's literally in the shower for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And I'm like, finally, I'm knocking on the door like, hey, are you okay in there? Like, what's going oh, on? That's and so the door awkward. is locked. Oh, God. And <clears throat> I'm, again, rock hard. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm coming out. I don't know if he was out of it. I mean, do you this think is he, my luck. Do you think he wanted to get fucked and that was it? Or what was it? Well, <laughs> but I, it's, more a, of a story it's annoying, for, too, yeah, because so it's like, come on. He did say he wanted to clean out. Okay. And so I guess he was doing that. But for that long... <laughs> And so then I went back to bed. You have to give the bottom as much time as they need. I've given people 45. See, this is why I'm more of a bottom. 15 minutes tops. I mean, whatever you need, I'm fine with it. I'm prepared. You have to respect the person that's bottom. No respect given here. (laughs) And so I, you know, was patient a little bit longer than went back. I swear we were bordering on 30 minutes. He (laughs) seemed like he was out of it. And then finally, finally, he came out. Yeah. And. He did mention he may have had some issues with, like, oh toilet issues. The <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> but and started to put his clothes on and leave. And meanwhile, we had taken these blue shoes. So like you. Oh, God. So, so you I'm were like, just completely hard and ready. Oh, so as I saw him put on his clothes, I just, like, handed him his yeah. watch. You're like, here's your shoes. I handed him, them I opened the you. door for him, and I slammed the door at, like, four in the morning. The oh, last, my God. Oh, I was, it was awful. I mean, but listen, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. And, I mean, you need to be prepared, I think. But also, did he just not communicate, like, oh, I probably am not going to get fucked? Or I, it was just... He just said he wanted to take a shower and clean out a little bit, I guess. But but also, he's staying at a hotel. I mean... Yeah, but we went back to my place, and I just thought, you know, I don't know that I could ever be comfortable in a stranger's shower bathroom I for a long wouldn't. period of time no. where they wouldn't... 
in my right mind, I would be like, oh my God, they're going to be wondering, like, yeah. what the hell? Did I right. pass out? Did something happen? No, I totally would I mean, think that. You don't really ever know yeah. somebody like that. And That's why I'm saying if you were taking a real extended shower and trying to figure out down there, wouldn't you want to go back to your hotel and then be like, maybe we should try this another time or just something like that? I don't know, Jeremy. I just <laughs> know I needed a mount. And you didn't get laid, <laughs> bitch. I didn't. And like you, blue balls again here. And <laughs> blue balls with blue chew. You woke up and yeah. Oh, God. Anyways, it is a really good thing. We'll it talk is. a little bit more about it. Um, season five is here and check out our Patreon page because we've got all these new tiers. Go to patreon.com forward slash talk about gay sex. We've got a $10 level where you're going to get our dark and dirty after show twice a month. And we're going to do some fun things like weekly polls. So things like what we were just talking about, Jeremy and I, about do you like having sex in the morning, night, anytime? Yeah. And I think the polls like that will be fun. And yeah, definitely. And I also think just adding in there like doggy style, missionary uh, all that kind of stuff. Do you would indoor, you rather outdoor, rimming or blowjob indoor outdoor? Have people watch? Yeah, voyeurism. Right. So I think it's going to add a lot to the show. We also want to. We actually really do want to know more about our listeners and just like with these polls, it, I think it would be fun to talk about like. Ex, are you an exhibitionist? Are you a voyeur? Like all that kind it of stuff. It will enrich the show so much yeah. here at Tags Podcast. And one of the applications we have on Patreon is the application Discord. And Discord allows us in a very secured network to be able to communicate with you guys. And at a certain tier, you'll be able to either talk with us or at times participate in, a, in, in a show. Yeah. We can even have them kind of um, talk with us and be a, you can be even a co-host for one of our shows once awesome. a month. So great stuff coming your way as well as some sexy videos and, and, and we're going to be trying out, um, I'll be trying out some toys that you'll get to see Ooh. and some uh, tier where it's all about BDSM and you'll get to see a lot of fun videos on that all coming your way. Again, it's patreon.com forward slash talk about gay sex. It's the platform that really supports Tags podcast on what we do so that we can continue to give you quality, hopefully quality, fun uh, entertainment podcasting about our gay, fun, evolving gay sexualities. Let's go on. Let's get to my interview because I'm just curious, this film, Terrence Crawford, my interview that's coming up Mm -hmm. for listeners is all about crystal meth. And have you ever been around meth or people that have been what's your experience or i know you're you're so like scared of drugs I which really is a good am. thing yeah i really am i mean i i was in it in one setting uh and it was actually like hanging out and just like with a few people that were doing it and i didn't partake but i also just it makes me feel uncomfortable i guess just just the, watching drugs in general makes me feel uncomfortable. I guess the only things that I've, that I don't get like kind of gr- not to be judgy, but that I don't get weirded out and grossed out about are like pot, and that right. doesn't make me feel like a certain type of way or weird and cringeworthy. But everything else does. I mean, when I've watched, so in this setting that I was with these people, watching them like smoke it and then act differently after, I think really just tainted it for, I mean, I mean, I never really wanted to try it anyways, but it also just showed me that I didn't need to try it, if you know what I mean. And it, it's just, I've heard nothing good about it, like no benefits from it. And right. even what it does for you, I don't necessarily need the higher sex drive or just the, no. the more sexual need or any of that. And I've heard what it, like the the ecstasy aspect of it that it gives to you, but I'm just not interested. And, I, a lot. and I don't like playing with people that are on a different level. So I guess in that sense, I'd rather just be completely present and it, that takes away from it. I feel like one of the things you'll learn in the documentary and in, in my interview with Terrence is that so many of the apps, and this isn't anything new, new information wise, but so many of the apps grinder, uh, scruff, 
play into a lot of it. Not that they're responsible for it, but people use these apps to put things like PNP yeah. or um, well, they also a use it as, a, as like a way to connect with those connect people that they're looking for and get the drug. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, anyways. Um, Let's take a break and hear from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we'll hear my interview with Terrence Crawford. Hey, Jeremy. So that was a really hot story of the time when you took Blue Chew and it really worked for you. What Did you love the flavor and how easily? I did. I wasn't expecting it to be fruity, chewable, and it was just easy to go down and quick results. I loved it. Well, Blue Chew works faster than pills and up to twice as fast. And I'm assuming, based on your stories that you told me, that it worked really fast. Yes, I, I thought I would need a full 30 minutes before, and it was instant, and it was great, and it tastes good, and it was easy. I mean... The thing I really liked about it was you can get an affiliated physician... Um, online really quickly to qualify you, not have to go into your doctor. And I think that's really key. It is. And you can use our promo code. Exactly. It also comes in these really cool, easy packets. Yeah, that you can carry around with you if need be. Super easy, super quick. It's got the same active ingredients as Cialis and Viagra. And exactly, you can use our promo code. If you just go to bluechew.com right now, you can get it for free. Can you believe that, Jeremy? Free? No, that's amazing. Exactly. That online physician consultation is also free. And once you're approved, just pay for that $5 shipping and use our promo code tags t-a-g-s and you'll get it for free go to bluechew.com chew it and do it um i'm really excited today to talk to my special guest he has a new documentary out that is really really extraordinary about a problem an epidemic the film is called crystal city it will be released um we'll tell you when it's going to be released but uh terence crawford uh, welcome to tags podcast Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate you. Ha- Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. So I love the film. Let's just get to that. Um, oh, thank you. It's like I said, it's uh, riveting in a lot of different ways. Um, in general, it tells the story of um, meth addiction, particularly in the gay community here, shot in New York. Um, I just, I guess, my first question. We'll get into all the, you know, some of the characters, but what was your inspiration to want to produce a film on this? Um, well, this first started as a short film in my NYU documentary class in 2015. Um, so this is the feature length version of what I began at, at NYU. Um, and what I experienced while making that film, uh, is a lot of like shame and embarrassment around my own story. So I guess backing up a little bit. I am a crystal meth addict in recovery. I've been in recovery since 2015. So I hadn't really seen my story portrayed, you know, like correctly, I guess, in in mainstream media. Um, You know, there's all these stories out there about addiction that focus on the rock bottom aspects of it, like the act of using, the the depressive, uh, you know, they're very depressing in tone. And I kind of wanted to show a film that highlighted the recovery side of things, you know, that shows that addicts are capable of recovery and, um, you know, that they can shine in spite of their, you know, adversity, uh, which is, you know, since I've been in recovery, my uh, life trajectory has improved, you know, tenfold. Uh, things just keep getting better. And I kind of wanted to, to show a film that, you know, was positive and uplifting, you know, while still showing some of the darker sides, uh, just to contextualize the recovery part of it. But right, um, you definitely don't glamorize it by any means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that we learn about the film is that I didn't know that that there's a rise here in New York City, a 300 to 400 percent increase of people that use crystal meth. And the other fact that I took away with was. of addicts relapse when they're, I guess, in their initial recovery. Correct. Um, Those are staggering numbers. And when, now that I know um, you're in your own recovery, were you astounded by the amount of usage of crystal meth? Or or because you were in it, you you know? Um, Well, my own story of using... uh, began in 2013 and you know it took me a long time to come out as gay uh you know I had tried the straight lifestyle throughout college and then um 
you know, uh, at my junior year, basically, um, I decided that, you know, like I wanted to pursue what I, what I had always been neglecting, uh, you know, just trying to, to hook up with guys. And I was living in San Francisco at the time. And, um, you know, like one of the first things that I saw when downloading Grindr, which was the first uh, sex app that I had used, uh, was that there was uh, party profiles with capital T's in the title, in the, the usernames. And we all see that right. when we go on right. there. You see PNP, you talk about it in the film. Right. So like almost from the very first moment that I had started seeking out gay sex, I had also encountered Tina and GHB and all of the party drugs that were out there. And, you know, having... Uh, recently come out I felt that I was in a kind of a vulnerable mental space where you know like I wanted to explore but I was still very like self-conscious about what this meant in my life more broadly and um, you know I was kind of like willing to to try anything Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success to get out of myself, you know, to take away this anxiety associated with, you know, coming out and uh, embracing my identity. And so uh, from a very early point in my, um, you know, gay sex life, I had, you know, been familiarized with crystal meth and it's, it's just been such a, a part of my story ever since. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, in terms of, like, usage in New York City, it actually was... Um, much more staggering in the early 2000s, the aughts, I guess. Um, right. Up until 2004 is when it peaked, and I think uh, usage was as high as 25% of all gay men. Um, and uh, that's when the FDA began regulating pseudoephedrine. Um, so that was, you know, like the Hells Angels and mom and pop laboratories and trailer parks across the country, like the Breaking Bad uh, kind of vision of what meth use and the meth trade was like kind of ended in 2004. And then uh, because of the regulation, these mega uh, meth laboratories from, uh, that are run by cartels in Mexico began producing to make up for the, the, the lack the thereof. Lack, the lack thereof. <laughs> Um, and so the spike that we're seeing now is uh, coming from Mexico uh, via California and Texas. Um, so uh, since 2011, um, we, 2011 is when we reached a low point in terms of usage. I think it went down to as low as 4.5% of gay men in New York City using crystal meth. And then every year it's progressively increased. And I think now we're back at um, 13%. Wow. So... Like you were saying, uh, you know, it, it is increasing two to three hundred, four hundred, four hundred percent year to year. Um, so it's it's approaching an epidemic level. And it's interesting because one of the things I learned in your film of its longevity, its history, is it really came in the '90s when. Uh, I think drug dealers out west were trying to break into right. uh, the club scene or trying to get their meth into the East Coast. And what we learn in your film is that it was the gay clubs and the gay community that they targeted because they figured they could offer a drug that would keep uh, gays partying longer in the clubs and it, and it hit, right? And, um, Correct. 
and which is really interesting. And then the other thing that we learn in the film that not to give away too much because sure. we want people to see the it's film, fine. but some of these factual things that I was really like struck by was during the AIDS epidemic, uh, so many people in the, in the, you know, we talk a lot about it here on the show, certainly in the early nineties, there was such a scare to have sex. And, and then people were, you know, we talk about it on the show a lot, pose shows people, right. you know, what fear we all had in that era when people thought they were going to die, we learn about in your film, some people just said, well, I'm just going to do meth because what the heck? I mean, I'm going to die anyway. Um, and then later, when the drugs that keep us alive, the cocktail came around, we actually there's an increase of meth as well because now it's like we're celebrating that we're alive. Is, I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, um, and a lot of uh, AIDS survivors or even during the, the AIDS crisis were using meth because they felt so much shame associated with being HIV positive or having AIDS. Um, you know, they felt that they were like untouchable, you know, that even in the gay community, they themselves were stigmatized and ostracized to a certain extent. And so meth, uh, you know, releases so much dopamine, um, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the synapse, you know, between neurotransmitters that, uh, a person taking it can't help but feel euphoric and confident and sexy. You know, all the things that um, people living with AIDS at that time, you know, didn't feel necessarily. Or, uh, so it kind of removes those inhibitions and that shame about their sex life uh, for the very first time sometimes. Uh, and so that was what made it so, uh, so tempting and, and ultimately harmful. And like you were saying, uh, people who thought they were going to die partied until, you know, they felt there weren't, weren't going to be those consequences because they were going to die anyway. Like it was 1999. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then when they did survive, you know, they were already hooked. Right, right. Um, it's interesting. You talk about the dopamine levels. I want to go a little bit into that. But one of the things, um, do you think that, what's your theory on why people are so attracted to the drug? I mean, you talked a little bit about your own story, how y you were nervous coming out and it was kind of all you knew really was you went on the apps and then kind of got into it. There's a common theme in your film of people that may have been using it for making up for insecurities or struggles that are going on in their life. Do you think meth kind of plays a part in filling in those holes that people have, gays? Yeah, absolutely. It fills that, um, well, in recovery, uh, I mean, 12-step recovery, I guess I'm going to self-disclose, but uh, they call it... Like what does the, that mean? So 12-step uh, recovery um, began in the 1930s. I don't want to go too much into it, but uh, Crystal Meth Anonymous is the program that I, that I attend, um, you know, and it's an abstinence-based uh, community uh, group-like program. It's a support group, essentially. Got it. Uh, just to, to deal with, um, you know, people trying to stay off of the drug and... Uh, to have peers and mentors that kind of like uh, that you can meet with that, that understand where you're coming from and, uh, you know, offer advice from their own experiences staying off of the drug. Uh, yeah. I'm so. just curious when you're, you know, with your own recovery and what you're talking about, do you find I don't know if you're in a relationship or not, but do you find dating? Is it better to date people that are also in recovery, that understand your story, or...? It's so funny that you say that. One of the characters in the film is my, is my boyfriend. Okay, got uh, it. Which wasn't the case when we started shooting, so I'm not sure how ethical that is, but... Um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't give him special treatment, I swear. <laughs> got it, got it. Uh, so, yes, it is very helpful, you know, just in terms of, like, experiencing cravings or, um, you know, just... There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of experiences that I have that would be difficult to share with someone that I know isn't necessarily uh, feeling those those same emotions. Um, so it makes it much much more comfortable to share that part of my life with with this person. Right, right. Good, good. I like that. I didn't answer your question. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, just in terms of uh, what meth is is uh, why it is appealing to to gay people. You know, first um, first deciding to use it. And what we find is, uh, f especially with older gay men who sometimes are coming out later in life, uh, they don't really have those like sexual templates or they didn't grow up um, with, in, only now are we starting to, to get 
you know, like role models in media and people that we can look up to that are living, you know, their best gay selves, right. you know, so we can <laughs> kind of like use them as uh, just like a marker of how to behave. Sure. And right. so we kind of like figure it out for ourselves, you know, when we do come out and uh, especially for older gay men uh, who don't have these templates, uh, they're looking for a way to participate. Um, and as you know, like gay culture is uh, very youth focused and, you know, it's highly sexualized and it's, is it <laughs> right? And it, it just, it, it's good to be young and attractive and yeah, it's, it's, right. it's not quite as uh, easy to participate as, you know, like an, an older gay man. Uh, and so, you know, meth a lot of times can be the great equalizer between old and young, you know, it, it kind of like, it allows, uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of questionable ethics involved but you know i think both both parties are equal participants where you know like an older man will provide drugs to a younger man that can't necessarily afford it right you know and then the two will have sex and maybe a situation that without the drugs like neither would have thought of engaging in in the first place sure um so that's pretty prevalent i noticed that in the book that we covered chem sex the the author talked exactly what you're saying that it does in a maybe not a good way, it unifies people right. that could be of all different walks of life, exactly. and under that one roof, people are you know having fun and doing their thing. But as in the book, uh, days go by oftentimes, and you just find yourself in this hole. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's not just, you know, the, the age discrepancy. It can be, like, uh, people of different race and socioeconomic status coming together. And so, like you were saying, it, it is good that these people are, are interacting, but not under these circumstances, you know, where it's, there's a lot of false pretense involved. Right. I'm curious, because you tap, talk about it in the film, about, or one of the profiles is going on apps like Scruff and Grinder. You can see the... You know the terms. There's PNP. There's PNT. Was it? Uh, well, like a like a capital T. A capital a- indicating T. Indicating Tina, or right. as people will say like blowing clouds. You know that kind of thing. I'm just curious. The has any of the apps Grinder or Scruff have they like addressed some of this? Knowing you know the codes that are yeah, out there. I'm, have, to you know some anything? extent. Uh, what I'm, aware, I'm I know that Grinder has tried to crack down on you know some of the the language. So there's moderators that will you know go through the profiles and just make sure that there's nothing you know harmful or triggering about them. You know they still police nudity to some extent. So right. there are people monitoring, but things slip through the cracks, and you know it's not like a foolproof algorithm. Right, right. They certainly monitor me when I try and change my profile picture, which is like me in a bathing suit. And I'm like, really? And then there's all these other things going on that I think are more important. But yeah, um, because what we learn in the film is that there's people that will go out there and they're either they'll put it out there to start a party and others are actually looking maybe to get free drugs. And it's kind of this vicious cycle that the apps have a big part in how we how people find it, correct? Right. And ultimately, people are, you know, in addition to sex, looking for a community. They're looking for people to relate to. Right. And, you know, New York City, it can either be, you know, the best place to meet people in the world or the loneliest place. And, right. And, you know, oftentimes, uh, people are just looking to relate. And, you know, they'll go on Grindr. They'll get involved, you know, with, a like, a PNP sex party and... Uh, that's why, like, in recovery, it's so important to offer that same type of community to, to stand in place of, you know, the, 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 party, the, the party community. Um, yeah, because meth really does, uh, and GHB, it makes people, you know, relate to each other much more quickly than, you know, like, at a, at a much more uh, advanced pace than, you know, everyday life. So you'll meet someone for the first time. You'll, uh, you'll party, you'll have sex, and then you'll share your life story, right? Right. Like, all of your, your insecurities, all of your, um, you know, family history, it's just that all comes spilling out. But and it's sort of a false reality. Right, it, it's, a, it's a false sense of connection. Uh, right. And it, it's just so um, accelerated that, you know, it can't really be sustained. Right. Do, so I'm curious, in recovery, do they... You know, when you're now with somebody, so, but single people, if you're, if someone would be in recovery from meth, do they advise you not to go on the apps anymore just because it's such a trigger? Right. So, uh, 
it, you know, you still it, have it, to have sex. <laughs> yeah, I know it varies person to person. Um, a lot of times people will like hook up with other people in recovery, which is what I did. A lot of times, um, because uh, there's this there's this term called what wires together fires together, uh, or what fires together wires toge- together. Excuse me. Uh, just meaning that um, because uh, you know sex releases dopamine uh, simultaneously. Um, sex and meth essentially release dopamine together, you know, when they're used together. So there, be, there becomes this uh, neurological connection that's hard to undo so that when someone is turned on, like, let's say, by, like, a hot guy in the street, like, they're also going to uh, receive a craving because the two experiences become associated in the brain. So uh, as a result of that, um, in recovery, people are often told to take a break from sex for, for a period of time to allow the brain to to rewire and, and heal those connections so that, you know, when someone is attracted to another person, maybe they're not experiencing that craving anymore. Or that that just, trigger yeah. that will just, you'll go right to, you associate meth essentially with sex or meth, or meth the two kind of go yeah, hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, basically. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, one of the other things I wrote down watching your film was that uh, it was, you have a, a doctor um, on the, David Fawcett. David Fawcett, yes. yes, who's a PhD. And I was struck by this. I was telling a friend of mine, my co-host, that with meth molecules and the dopamine that you're talking about, they sit there on, you know, not to get too scientific, on your dopamine receptors, and they don't go away. So what the doctor was saying is that, you know, say other drugs like cocaine, for example, that might wash away, but the the meth. Um, I'm probably getting this right, wrong. Yeah, no, no, sit you're, on you're your correct. dopamine receptors in your brain, and they never really wash away. Right. Well, that, that's why it's so long lasting because it prevents reuptake of dopamine. So not only does it release, uh, you know, like 1,300 units specifically, but four times as much as cocaine, uh, or three times as much as cocaine, four times as much as sex. Um, you know, when using that. Uh, it also prevents the reuptake of dopamine so that it stays in that the synapse for longer. So you're experiencing this extreme pleasure for um, a prolonged amount of time, and it does destroy the receptors ultimately. Um, and it, it takes months for the months and potentially even years for the brain to rebuild those receptors. Right. And I, there's an early part in the film when you seem to ask the various uh, profile people that you profile in the film what that first feeling was like when they first tried meth. And the, scene, the common denominator, the, everyone seemed like they could almost go to that moment. What they, it felt so, um, some people described it as almost like so free, they felt like they were dying. And they all had that common thread, and I'm wondering if it's because of this dopamine that can just kind of trigger that feeling. Right. It's uh, in the limbic system. You know, the reward pathway is entirely uh, controlled by d- dopamine um, and uh, and uh, neuropronephrine um, and uh, serotonin. Excuse me. Uh, I'm getting getting them all mixed up. But uh, right. So there is such a, an intense release of pleasure that the first time someone uses it, like not only is it the physical experience they're having, but just the, the shift, um, the, the, there's like a shift that happens that they're always trying to regain in uh, subsequent usage. So like, for instance, the first time I used is always gonna be the best time, right? Because it was, it was new and, uh, and I, I, had, I hadn't faced any of the consequences yet. So a lot of times, uh, you know, like if I'm hooking up, um, and like, let's say that I relapse and I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, a sex party, like what I'm seeking is that first experience, right? Like I'll forget all the times where the sex was bad or, you know, something happened or there was consequences for me. I'll just focus on, you know, that first beautiful, glorious time. Which you can never really achieve which, again, right, correct? Yeah. Not even chemically. You know? Right. Right. So it's this constant search for something that is unattainable. Correct. Yeah. Um, once again, I'm talking to Terrence Crawford with his brand new documentary, Crystal City. Let's talk a little bit about some of the the positive things about the film. And, and you, you profile 
when people watch the film, you're going to see so many different gay men here in New York City, but I would imagine it would be like any metropolitan city. And you really get us, everyone has, comes from a different place, how they got into it. We hear their stories, which are very touching. You did such a good job with that. Oh, One thank of the, you. You're welcome. One of the things uh, was you do a good job of showing people in their recovery, and, and a lot of it has to do with keeping their day active, keeping them... Um, their minds away from you know being lured back into the drug. You have a dog walker um, you, who spends his days you know instead of selling escorting, he is now a dog walker. And then you show a singer who is making a living singing. Um, that must have been talk a little bit about the, that part. I know this is one of the things you wanted to do in the film. Right. What I found in recovery is that the majority of addicts are like overwhelmingly creative, um, especially in New York City. Yeah, you're the painter as well. This is where creatives, you know, flock, essentially. (laughs) And for something about the the creative mindset and experience, uh, it seems to like tie together with addiction. And um, so, you know, that that God-sized hole that they're trying to fill with drugs, they can also fill with creativity and expression. And so a lot of times people will use you know, some of their, their negative emotions and, and cravings and, uh, you know, pour that into their, their art or, you know, their, their songwriting, their painting, their photography. Um, and I found that's, that's very common in recovery. 12-step doesn't work for everyone necessarily. Um, and then, you know, like therapy is another positive uh, recovery component that's covered in the film. But there are like harm reduction modalities that the city is pouring money into that, that you know, can work for some people uh, that aren't necessarily ready to give up the drug entirely. What does that So uh, 12-step is abstinence-based, abstinence which means that the, the person shouldn't use drugs at all. Right. Um, and that's the goal, ultimately. And harm reduction is essentially accepting that, you know, there's some people that are just going to use drugs no matter what, or it's maybe more difficult for them to stop using altogether. But we shouldn't, you know, give up on them altogether. I think it's important to meet them where they're at. So, you know, harm reduction will include, like, um, a uh, city-provided counselor or, like, a needle exchange program so that people are, you know... Using like if, clean if needles. Using clean needles, not you know spreading HIV in that way. Right. Um, uh, GMHC and uh, Housing Works have a program called Recharge. Um, you know that's accepting, uh, you know, people without insurance. I believe you know, and I think that's very important that there are these other avenues uh, that aren't explored in the film. There's only so much we can cover in in 90 minutes, and uh, you know, there's also medically assisted treatment options. So, like Columbia University is um, experimenting with. Uh, patients, giving them a combination of naltrexone, uh, which is used to reduce opioid cravings, and bupropion, which is Wellbutrin, it's an antidepressant. So the combination therapy hopefully is going to reduce cravings for stimulant-dependent addicts, and that can be used in tandem with 12-step or therapy or harm reduction. So there's, there's all these new avenues. While those weren't the experiences of the characters in the film, I think they're you know equally as important and something to explore maybe in a future film. I understand that you have you're going to be showing this film at different festivals, but do you want to? I would imagine that this film would be really helpful to universities or just really anybody that wants to get the word out about you know what's going on with meth and what's your hope of who sees this film. Um, yeah, I think it's it's an important film for all people to see. Really, right. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, the general public, addicts in recovery, addicts that are still using that that might want to stop using, you know, friends and family of addicts uh, that, you know, might be ostracizing their loved one, but maybe it would be more helpful if they took a a compassionate approach. We are screening the film at the uh, Yale School of Medicine coming up or the New Mexico State University uh, in in terms of the university type screening. You know, there's several other festivals uh, across the country that we're going to be screening at and actually one in Denmark coming up in October, um, so that'll be interesting. Nice. We're, we're definitely getting the word out, and then the film will be distributed on uh, transactional video-on-demand platforms like iTunes and Amazon uh, later in October. The film, you're, you really do feature so many interesting stories, and I like what you just said, that yes, I agree, everybody should see this film, because it, addiction, particularly meth addiction, comes in so many walks of life, 
you certainly portray that in the film. Uh, but the compassion side of it and the empath- having empathy for people, I think so much of our culture is, is always you know, shamed people that had some sort of addiction, whether it's meth or any other addiction. And I think getting the word out is and telling these stories is just going to do so much good for so many different people. So I commend you on that. Uh, thank you. And, you know, like it's also um, important to note that meth has been with us uh, for the last hundred years, you know. Right. Uh, it's been part of American culture, you know, in, in different ways, you know, like housewives were taking it for depression uh, in you know, the 1950s and 60s. Um, it was used by American soldiers in World War II to stay up for days, you know, fighting the Japanese. Right. Uh, it was used by kamikaze pilots, you know, driving their planes into um, battleships. It was used by John F. Kennedy before he met with uh, President Khrushchev for the first time. No, uh, yeah, it was Khrushchev for the first time. Um, you know, it's been with us the entire time uh, before it, you know, it turned to Hell's Angels or even the gay scene. Well, the film does have like a diverse lineup of subjects. The problem is worsening specifically in the, the black and Latinx communities and also the trans communities. And uh, the film doesn't necessarily like highlight, highlight those experiences um, specifically, but I think, you know, just in terms of like the distribution of resources to help solve this problem, I think like those are areas of focus that we need to, to look at. I like that. So much more to tell on that. Terrence Crawford, thank you so much for uh, for enlightening us with your film. Uh, The film is called Crystal City. When can people see the film? Because I know you've got some release dates, but I'll let you tell people. Right. So there's a number of screenings coming up in New York City. The release is scheduled for the end of October on iTunes and Amazon. And we'll list that for our audience here. Right. But how can people follow the film if they want to kind of keep up? Well, they can follow the film by going to facebook.com slash crystalcitydocumentary or crystalcitymovie.com. Much success to you on the film, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, thank you to my special guest, Terrence Crawford, and talking about his riveting brand new documentary, Crystal City, which will be available on all platforms for video on demand in late October. And you can go to Tag's podcast because we will keep you up to date when it is released. And I just thank him for his honesty and creating a film that is critical to our community. Uh, It is season five and our kickoff. Take advantage and get Blue Chew for free. Go to bluechew.com and use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S. Just pay for that $5 shipping and you too can be rock hard, chew it and do it. Thank you, Jeremy Ross Lopez. We're so excited about season five and thank you to our brand new season five kickoff song our our new theme song music is courtesy of royal advisor records it is called rage it's laurent's dub mix again it's by royal advisor records and in the meantime y'all continue having or start having hot gay sex
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 